Welcome to Hustle and Pro Season 2, talking sports in Frisco from youth to pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Welcome back to Hustle and Pro. So we are picking up our conversation again, talking about The Last Dance, ESPN's um, docu-series on Chicago Bulls. So we finished episode one and two last episode, and we're going to go ahead and jump in. Talking episode three, we are still talking with Chad Brown of the Texas Legends and Fred Hammond, who's here in Frisco, um, owns a local business, Countdown to Escape, here down um, on Main Street. So we're going to jump into episode three, which is, I kind of have noted as the Rodman episode, right? <laughs> so, um, which is a kind of a loaded episode, I guess you could say. So we see his, um, sort of his background, like his tough life on the streets and um, how he was able to kind of stay out of trouble. Even he talked about like he was hanging out with drug dealers and this and that. Um, but it also explained how he said he, he kind of craved the pain and wanted to like feel that on the court, um, I guess, which is sort of why he is known for real, his physicality. Um, mm-hmm. Chad, I'm curious from your perspective, because you are a presence on the court. I mean, your nickname <laughs> is The Beast, right? So as yeah. that person who's like known for blocking shots and being physical, um, you know, how do you do, how did, what do you think when you were watching that part on the Rodman episode? Uh, well, honestly, I think that was like one of my favorite parts of the documentary is the Dennis Rodman, because you know, everybody knows Jordan, everybody knows Pippen, um, but, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of like, the underdog guys, like the Rodmans and the Ben Wallaces of the basketball world doesn't really get the full recognition, so it was good to, you know, kind of see, you know, his background, you know, how he, you know, how his mindset changed in the basketball world to, you know, do what he does on the court, and you know, everybody has a different personality and everything, but one thing you can say about him is that, you know, when he stepped on the court, you know, he, he left it all out there. You know, he left it all out on the table, and, you know, he was uh, he was the heart and soul of those guys' team, man. It kind of makes you wonder, though, does it – do you have to have a little bit of crazy in you, though, to, like, sacrifice <laughs> your, your body like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can say from experience, you know, you just have to – like I say, I, I think it's just a mindset, honestly. It's a mindset you have to have where, you know, you don't, you don't mind, you know, you know, getting a couple bruises, a couple scars and, and things like that because, you know, it's, it's all about winning and, and that's who you are as a person. And, you know, like, like you said, you have to you know, be a little crazy, have a little mindset of, of doing those little dirty works. So. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they, they showed us a lot about how, he needed his time off, right, to relax. Um, right. <laughs> and so, you know, it didn't really make it look like his teammates were that bothered by it. Even I think Michael was, like, kind of understood. I think he had to go fetch him one time to get him back, right? He didn't come back behind his curfew or something. Um, can you, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but I can't imagine that today he would just get roasted by the – by social media if you're just kind of MIA and you have to take a break in mid-season like we roast athletes off-season nowadays right um so if y'all have any thoughts yeah I mean I think the I think the the genius of Phil Jackson was that he knew Dennis Rodman had to be on the team to win and he would almost let him do and be as crazy as he needed to be to let the formula play out and I think that's really a credit to Phil Jackson now the fact that he let him go past the curfew and past the vacation agreement and sends Jordan out there to get him is also genius because, you know, he's like, 
sending the leader back out to get him, brings him home, doesn't punish him. You know, they all get into practice again and they're going to work out even harder. And Dennis goes just as hard as he would if he wasn't on vacation, which is just so anti-team and so anti-establishment. That's what Phil Jackson did is he allowed them to be themselves and, and, and kept them together and, and it won a championship. Yeah. Hold that thought on Phil, because I want to talk about oh, yeah. that in a second on the, on the next piece. Before we move off to the next episode, though, um, in this episode, they started showing us um, what I thought was cool. One of my favorite things about this whole series, um, we got to see that shot in 89, like kind of the famous shot, and um, how, they, how they built up leading up to like the end of these games. Mm, um, right. And... I think this one kind of documented the the final push and Jordan having to take over, which we saw on repeat a lot of the times, but um, that's the stuff. Like, I don't remember the details. Maybe y'all do. Uh, well, you don't, Chad. You were, I don't even know if you were born yet. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't around that time. Right. You don't remember <laughs> the details. So this might've been even cooler for you and Fred, you might remember, but I, I mean, I remember Jordan as a whole and I remember my memories are like dunk contests and kind of more unique things. I couldn't tell you, you know, what time was left on the clock when he was making this that shot in a certain game. So that was cool for me to be able to go back and let them build up the last five, seven minutes or something of a game and watch those possessions and watch really like document how he had to take, take over. Right. 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 It was almost kind of built like that. Like let's just play to this point and get to five minutes and Michael's going to do his thing. He's going to go to the free throw line. He's going to shoot a jump shot. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. And right. And it was just played out that way almost all the time. So, Chad, was that your first time seeing some of those kind of packaged up, like, few minutes of some of these playoff pushes? Or had you already um, known some of that? So, I've, I've already, like, done a lot of research about the Bulls back in the 1990s. Because um, I'm actually a really huge Dennis Rodman fan. I watched a lot of film on him. And so, I watched a lot of those games already. So, it just – it kind of – I feel like these episodes kind of made me look at it as, you know, how it all came together. You know, I was more yeah. watching film on it, but I, I didn't see the the locker room parts, the the media parts. I didn't see all of that, you know, that the came story with it. behind the X's and O's. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Really correct. So, um, I, like I said, I've watched it, watched a lot of film on those guys, but you know, it's just it. It's, it's, it's a lot better when you can, you know, look at it, like, really detailed, you know, off the court as well. Yeah, I love that part. Okay, so, Fred, you brought up the Phil Jackson thing. So, let's kind of slide into um, Last Dance episode four, which is really Phil and talks about magic, too. But, um, so, you talked about Phil and how he sort of, like, connected and identified with. So, part of that is, I think, um, he said that he felt connected to people like Rodman because he was a physical defender too. And then I don't know about you guys, but I didn't know all the background about Phil Jackson with his native American history and like how he used that to kind of like, that's sort of his philosophy and how he used that to motivate as a coach. Um, so I don't know, talk about that. Like, I don't know if you guys already knew that or not, but how much that played into how he connected with people and how he let people have, you know, a bit of a long leash sometimes to let them be them. Yeah, I mean, there's several references to Phil letting people do things that are contrary to a team when 
Scotty wouldn't come in the game for the final shot and Kukoc hits it. He lets that go and keeps him on the team. He lets Dennis be Dennis and wear different color hair and earrings and go out to Vegas with Carmen Electra. And I don't know how the Native American thing all tied in, but it was sort of like this inner peace that he had and he could relate to each person exactly the way they needed to and, and keep it together as a team, which I think is really just genius. And it really probably doesn't work without that. And Michael loved him too. Yeah. I mean, Chad, do you feel that with all the coaches you've had, like, is it, is it critical that a coach has to have that flexibility and like be able to kind of just be open-minded about every individual player's needs and personality? Well, absolutely. I definitely feel like, you know, like you all said, you know, I feel like personalities, everybody has different personalities, you know, and, and as a coach, you know, I've never been a coach or anything like that, but just being around, you know, great coaches and things, I know that the coaches that I've had in the past have all been able to connect with their players, and we all have different personalities. You know, each player has different personality. You have the Dennis Robin personality. You have the Jordan personality. You know, you have the, the Pippen personality. You know, you have, you have different personalities. So, you know, as a coach, you know, I feel like Bill Jackson did a great job to – to work with all of his guys. You know, he worked with all of his guys. He he understood where they come from. He understood, you know, what they needed, you know, just how to how to relate with those guys, you know. And and he did a really good job being able to do that. And to be a successful team, you know, your coach has to have that personal relationship with each player. So I feel like he did a great job with that. Yeah. I can't wait for a 30 for 30 on Phil Jackson one day. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll have, to be, it'll have to be a little while later, I guess. But uh, I think that'll be fascinating just because, like, inside the mind of how he saw people, I don't know, maybe I was judging him prior to kind of knowing more about him, but I just didn't realize that was his, his angle. Um, it's fascinating. Right. All right, so let's talk about this. Do you guys think the Pistons started a trend um, for bigger NBA guys? I, th I think they started a trend for a style of basketball and the style was brutality and physical and uh, that did require bigger people like Lambeer and all the people that they had that could literally hurt you and scare you and change the style of basketball that you're accustomed to playing because of their physicality. So I think it was a style that was supported by physical athletes that maybe weren't the best basketball players, but they were intimidators and scary. And that changed people's mind when they're going down the lane and getting ready to, you know, do something they normally do. They, they changed their game and, and gotten ahead of the other team. Right. Right. No, I, I totally agree. I, I definitely believe that the Pistons um, definitely changed the mindset of a lot of guys um, in the basketball world. You know, even Jordan, you know, getting beat up by the Pistons each year and him making a conscious effort to be in the weight room saying, man, I got to get stronger. You know, these guys are bullying me, man, and I, and I can't take it. You know, my body physically can't take it unless I get bigger. So Yeah, like it single-handedly affected him personally. Yeah. made him change yeah. his physicality. Like he had to change his body. Yeah, he had to. I mean, it's just, you know, they had the, they had the Jordan rules against him, you know. And, you no know, dunks. He, yeah, no dunks. You know, everything was going to be earned from him, and, and he – you know, he took, offense, he took offense to that, you know. He was like, man, I got to get stronger. So I feel like, you know, the Pistons, they definitely changed a lot of basketball players' um, mentality and perspective of the game that, you know, it's a physical game. You know, even to this day, you know, it's not as bad as it was, you know, back in the 80s and 90s. But I can definitely say that, you know, we still have those guys that are the bruisers and that, you know, 
that you you have to you know when you play against them is that hey man it's gonna be a war you know so mm-hmm. they definitely changed a lot of basketball players perspective yeah i think now it's almost kind of gone the other end of the spectrum where it's more about the fouls the calls i don't know protect right. the players a little for bit sure. more it's good for guys like you i guess that are out there playing um you know here in the in the land of dirk there's a lot there's been a lot of talk about that like yeah, protect, yeah, protecting these guys, and I do. I like that. I think it was. I think it was Jordan who said that. Um, talked about like not whining about getting beat up out there back right. then. Sort of, you just you just didn't complain about it, and you just yeah. threw it and figured your out your way around it. I guess. Which I I don't as a fan. I can't stand the over complainer, the guy right. who asks for the call every right. time down the court or. Right. You know, we're soccer people, Fred. Like, I can't stand when after you've come into a confrontation with somebody else, your first reaction is to look at the ref and ask for a call. Like, it's not right. what you're out there for. So I liked I liked that they brought that up and that Jordan had to even say, like, we, you can't complain about the call. Like, play, right. play, play beyond that. Figure it out, right? Right, exactly. Get in your head. Like, if you wanted to fight them, that's exactly what they wanted you to do. But his, yeah, they wanted that, yeah. When Scotty – took that hard hit and he got up, walked away. And I think one of them, like maybe it was Isaiah or somebody said, I knew they had us when he didn't react and it was over. And it was like, that was the sort of the tipping point from the bad boys to the new guys. And that yep. was fascinating to me when he didn't yep. react. Yep, absolutely. Yep, yeah, that's definitely true. It shows a lot of restraint to not react. That's probably oh, harder than somebody like me makes it sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a conscious effort, like when you're out there, to have to pull back and not – because you don't seem on the court, Chad, like you're always, you know, complaining about calls. You stay pretty level-headed. Do you – is that something you have to work at, or does it just – Yeah, yeah, it – I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think it comes naturally for me because I'm naturally a uh, a physical player. So I feel like it comes natural for me that I don't really have to argue about calls. Um, but at the same time, you got to work on it because, you know, players going to try to get into your head, you know, the, the the excitement, the emotions all in the air. You know, I feel like you just have to stay level, you know, because – Guys are gonna try to get under your skin, you know. That's that's what they do, you know. As basketball players, you know, I try to get under guys' skin, you know, stuff like that. So that's what we do, you know. And it's just it's the nature of the sport. So you just have to, you know, be um, be level headed and and just stay focused on the task, you know, that's at hand. How often are you fouling out of games, Chad? Uh, honestly, this season, I want to say I've only fouled out twice. Okay. Yeah, I actually did a really good job. I, I've learned how to – I've learned when to foul and when not to foul, if that makes sense. Because you have to as, – as a player, you have to know your value on the court. And so I can't – you know, especially, you know, when, when our, our guys sometimes get called up and stuff, you know, I have a bigger role and I have to play a lot more. So, you know, I, I've, uh, you know, have to learn how to, you know, know my, my value on the court. So I can't – I can't be out there just fouling. You know, sometimes I got to let things go. Sometimes they make it over me. They make it over me. But, you know, I, like you, like I said, you just have to know your value on the court. Yeah, and being valuable, I mean, if you have to have those fouls, that's one thing. But you're not very valuable sitting on the bench, not able to play in the fourth quarter when your team actually needs you out there, right? Yeah, exactly, yes. <laughs> All right, so we also, in this episode, we also saw some Lakers finals with Magic. My, I guess, overall question is, 
if you guys agree that we didn't get enough, we didn't see enough of magic in this docu series. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to have seen a lot more of it. I mean, that was kind of the Jordan replaced magic. He replaced Bird. I'd love to see that sort of build up and set up. But I felt the same way. Like it wasn't enough. I mean, I guess it's because this was about the Bulls mm -hmm. and Jordan. But I don't know. I just kind of wanted to see a little more more backstory. I mean, I guess it's maybe in their ten hours of cutting and editing, they couldn't get more magic in. So yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it was probably hard. I mean, but. I agree with you. I wish I was seeing a little bit more magic because, you know, it's like Jordan, you know, looked up to him, you know, looked up to him, looked up to Bird. And, you know, you, you want to hear their backgrounds a little bit too, like, you know, how they approach the game and stuff like that and, and what Jordan had to look at, you know, being in college, being in high school. So, you know, it would have been nice to see a little bit more magic, but, you know, we got a chance to see him, you know, with the Lakers a little bit, the USA team. So yeah. we got a chance to see a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I did like when Magic, they had the practice on the Dream Team. Yeah. And he said, you better be Air Jordan right now because you're down by six. And Yeah, yeah that's nice. <laughs> and everybody, Magic throws the ball in the stands and then they get on the bus and they go, everybody's tense. And he goes, well, I guess there's a new sheriff in town. And that was Magic passing the baton yep. to Michael, really. Yeah. That was yeah. cool. I'm glad they left yeah. that in. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then that's a good transition to, though, on the flip side, episode five we see Kobe. So um, they kind of do, again, to me, not enough um, backstory, yeah. but we see like the beginning of like young, we see young Kobe um, and the start of what we know later is a strong relationship between the two. But man, didn't y'all want to see more diving into that story? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Any yeah. comments or thoughts on, on what we did see of Kobe or, or what we know? Like, I don't know a ton about their relationship after. I'm sure there's books and stories on it, or there will be more now. But, um, like, do you guys know how, how their relationship went? Like, was, was Jordan, like, a mentor to him as he was coming up in the league? Or did they become closer, like, later on when Jordan was done? Or how, I, what do you all know about that? Yeah, I think Jordan said, I think Kobe texted them a lot and asked them a lot of questions like, how do you do a fadeaway and this and that. I think Kobe desperately wanted to be better than Michael. He desperately wanted to be viewed like Michael, but I don't think he ever achieved that. I thought it was really interesting when they showed the all-star game, you've got Michael and Kobe in there and Michael's posting them up and fading away and hitting another net and he wins the MVP. And it was Michael's way of saying, I'm still the big dog here. You're, you're pretty good, but yeah. You're not keep, me yet. Keep learning. Yeah, keep learning. So that was a really cool little dynamic between the two. Yeah, Chad, you're a Kobe guy, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah. So so what were your thoughts on any of that or what you know about their relationship? Um, well, you know, I watched a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books on Kobe. And, and the biggest thing with him is that, you know, he talked about Jordan so much. He said, man, look. He said, everything that you see from me, I got from Jordan. So, you know, when you see me doing these moves and the championships I've won, I literally watched film on the 90s Bulls. You know, I watched, you know, his demeanor, his approach for the game. And, he, he's, you know, I, I was watching this documentary. He was like, you know, me and, me and Jordan had a we, – we have a great relationship. And everybody compares us too. And it was funny because he said that, you know, me, I just wanted to win at basketball. He said Jordan wanted to win at anything possible. 
It didn't care like what he did. Quarters in the locker room, right? Like anything. Yeah. yeah. Flipping quarters in the locker room, where he's playing cards on the plane, where he's playing golf with his guys. Like he just he didn't want to lose. And, you know, Kobe was. You know, he said when he got into the league, you know, he Jordan kind of took him under his wing and was like, "Hey, man, these are steps in the approach you have to take in order to be great." And you know, just just watching, you know, their documentaries. You know, it shows. It shows. You know, the accolades shows. You know how they approach the game and and why they compare. Why people compare them so much because you know they had a great relationship and they both they, they played similar. You know, they definitely did. Yeah. So I like I said, wish there would have been more Kobe. And I don't know when this was all like wrapped and filmed. I mean, I first of all, when I first heard this was even happening, I was like, how did they obviously? thought ahead they were filming this all this time and it's like oh, i'm just fascinated sure. at the release timing and and um just all of this so i don't even know when every when these side interviews were done and but i, I wish there could have been more insight from from kobe's point of view i'm sure there's right. stuff out there i need to go search it up and like actually watch more on it because this was just a tiny peek into it but okay let's talk about the shoes so in this episode they start talking about this nike deal um we get to see how Michael was really reluctant. Um, big shoe deals weren't, I mean, it wasn't, it just wasn't at all what it is now, obviously. Oh, for sure. Really for carved sure, yeah. that out. But yeah. uh, I just thought it was cool that his mama basically said, no, we're going to go, right? We're going, even though you don't want to go meet with these men, we're going to go, right. them out, see what they have to say. Um, right. We got to see footage of him like going to Nike and hearing from the Nike guys. And um, so I think they said their goal was to sell 3 million dollars in shoes and then do you guys remember kind of what they ended up with that year like 122 million the first year or something yeah i think it was something like that 20, 122 23 something like that yeah yeah the first year like yeah. The, yeah. year one the like year. that's just yeah. one and it's yeah. still yeah, like, yeah i mean it's crazy there's a, another documentary out i think it's um aj1 or af1 i don't know i don't know what like what the actual name of it is, but it's specifically about like the background, the whole background with um, Jordans um, from like the. 90s. Oh, I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the legendary uh, AJ One or something like that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. about yeah. The shoes. yeah, I found it shortly after this, or maybe during the last dance was happening, and so it was like a whole nother dive into um, just the background and the. It's really more more than just I guess Jordan, but like everything from culture like how just everything shifted yes it's um, yep. fascinating if you haven't mm -hmm. seen AJ it yet one, i think huh? aj1 yeah. i think is what it was called um, yeah but it's cool they talked a lot of like hip-hop guys and just like tons of guys um and probably girls i don't know it's a guy thing i think um about just what they remember and just the the mm -hmm. history of the of the shoe but um yeah. i also thought it was interesting that they paid michael i think 250 250,000 for that um spokesman i think they they got him at a quite a steal right can you oh yeah 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 absolutely absolutely or what yeah. it's about to be yeah and so, adidas couldn't afford it at the time they didn't have the resources i mean can you imagine the guy that said because uh, michael wanted adidas it sounded like on the the show and imagine the guy that said michael we can't afford i mean that's a billion oh. billions of dollar mistake Oh my goodness! Wow, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. So, Chad, are you a Jordan like shoe guy? Oh my! I have a couple of Jordans. I have a couple of Jordans. I, I, 
I like the style. Um, definitely like, you know, I love the player. Uh, I love what he did to the game. Um, just out of respect for him, you know, I have a couple pair of Jordan shoes. I also like the style, like I said, as well. So, yeah. Um, you know, even in that time, though, you know, I felt like Jordan, he, you know, getting all the, the, the accolades and the shoe deals and stuff like that, you know, I felt like he was just so focused on basketball till he, he really didn't, he didn't let the shoe game and, and, and the deals overwhelm him. You know, it didn't really overwhelm him that much. You know, a lot of players nowadays, you know, you see younger guys and stuff getting these deals and stuff. And it's like, oh man, like everything is, 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 is too much, you know? And, you know, he didn't let that really overwhelm him because he knew it was just one thing about, and it was just about basketball. So, you know, I felt like he handled it really well though with, you know, with the shoe deals and things like that. Yeah, like um, when you say that, it reminds me, I guess when he was shooting Space Jam, instead of being kind of like gone and not available, right, basically right. said, oh, we'll just bring everybody to you. Everybody can, we'll come to this facility and everybody can come work out with you. And then it ended up so being like, like an all-star game. He would have yeah, a it was amazing. work out with them. Yeah. yeah That's cool. That, I didn't yeah. know that. I, I didn't either. That yeah. was like just shows you the guy all he wanted to do was win and play basketball and he knew everything else would take care of itself yeah. man yeah absolutely yeah and then the schedule that he had behind it you know him having to wake up early in the morning shoot all day you know getting maybe an hour or two of rest and then wanting to go at night to play pickup with the guys it's like man that's a <laughs> that's a schedule man you know you have to you have to be wired differently to to be able to do those type of things man yeah. so yeah you know, that's that why wasn't, I, that wasn't just your regular pickup with the guys. That was like, he wasn't uh, all, all stars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, guys that, you know, are completely all stars, you know, you have to go and compete against those guys, you know, and they want to compete as well. So it's like, man, you know, you got my full respect to, to do that. You know, Reggie Miller said it too. He said he was like a vampire, man. <laughs> right. I think those practice sessions were better, better competition than today's all-star games are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, the watered-down all-star games we get sometimes now. Not yeah, just basketball sure. in all sports. It happens everywhere. And, and didn't he say one of the things he loved about that is he'd learned guys' tendencies? Like, he's used oh my to goodness. Yeah. Film, uh, do a film, but he's also saying, okay, I can also learn how Reggie plays, and I can learn how he plays, and I'll learn it all. It's like he used that almost as to his advantage. Yep. Like oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Always, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You got a chance to see those guys in the summer, be see what they're working on. Like, okay, like you said, this is what Reggie does, this is what Chris Mullen does, this is what Carl Malone does. You know, he's just watching all the guys, you know, just evaluating them, see, okay, this is what I need to work on for the off season to be ready for these guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> studying, always studying, being prepared. Yeah. Okay, yeah, one absolutely. last topic to finish out um our chats here. So we also get to see in this episode a little bit of um more of that Olympics talk. So you, Fred, you mentioned Adidas earlier. So I thought it was funny how Jordan sort of says, oh, you're making me wear Adidas, right? Uh, no. Or was it Reebok? Was it Reebok? I don't know. But how he covered his logo on his Reeboks with the flag. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nope, Nike got me, so. Nobody's in Right. Right. He's like, I, when they were talking about how I don't remember that personally, but when they were talking about how he refused to do it, I'm sitting there thinking, 
how is he not going to wear it? Like, how is he going to do this? And then it's right. like, oh, genius. You just cover it up with the flag. Who can get mad at you yeah, for covering right. up with the American flag? <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And it, and it honestly, it just shows the respect that he had for the people that he was working with at the time. You know, like, hey, man, you guys can't let me, you know, I can't wear this. You know, I'm working with, you know, these guys. You know, it's just it's just the respect that he had. You know, the respect, the respect that he had for people that he worked with. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that by wearing something else. So, you know, you can't get in trouble by covering up with the American flag, like you said. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like he did it. He, he took the right approach. It was a genius <laughs> move. Yeah. And then we also see the return of like the Jerry Krause effect, how with Tony, I don't I don't think Kukos. I've heard Kukos. Kukos. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So Very overseas like, player. it was like just because Jerry Krause liked him and was kind of like courting him. Right. Um, right. They basically said, like, the, not just Jordan, but everybody basically said, let's go show, let's go make him look bad yeah. to kind yeah. of show that, like, no, we're your guys. Like, don't, yep. don't go start plucking this guy. Like, they had a vendetta. They made it a vendetta, right? That was And Kukos did nothing to deserve it. I mean. No, no he didn't. Like, he didn't. Hey. No, he just, guys just came from Europe, man. Like, you know, he just wanted to come to the United States and play basketball. That's it. Right, like it worked out, but I mean, they shut him down for one oh, for or two sure. games. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, obviously, he comes around. It's kind of funny, and then they all end up, they all end up coming around mm -hmm. on, on it with him later on. But man, it's just another one of those examples of like, if you piss Jordan off, even if you don't, even if a guy that like Tony didn't do anything to piss him off, it was just that Jerry Krause seemed to like him. That was enough to spark, you know, this little. Oh yeah. Meta. Right? Yeah, it's a flame and fuse for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I, just, I just thought that was crazy. And then, of course, they go on and we get to see they didn't they didn't harp too much on on Dream Team stuff. I guess that's a whole nother story. And there's there's documentaries made on that. I think there's a thirty for thirty specifically on on the Dream Team. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and then the fi my final note for this episode was um, ninety two finals they sort of break down um, the lead up to like the shrug, the, the make the shot shrug kind of famous Jordan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I see yeah. Chad smiling on that one. Um, <laughs> they're all smiling. Like it's just one of those iconic things that there's a couple things I think of when I think of Jordan. It's the, it's the shrug after the shot and um, dunking from the free throw line. I don't right. know. What, so like, right. I guess my question to each of you then is to wrap it up, like what comes in your, what is in your mind when somebody talks about Jordan? Like, what do you first think of? I think of the shrug and I also think of the reason behind the shrug and, and what kind of led up to that is it was against Clyde Drexler, which was sort of being like, is it Jordan? Is it Drexler? And they said, well, Drexler's a better three point shooter. And I remember Michael saying, he's a better three point shooter than I choose to be. That next night was when the shrug happened, when he hit the six threes in the first half or whatever. And it was his way of saying, there is no competition. If I want to shoot threes, I'll shoot threes and I'll show you. And to me, it was just whatever Michael decided he was going to be, he was going to be and nobody was going to be it. And that's what I'll just always, if I need to pass tonight, I'll pass. If I need to play defense tonight, if I need to go to the free throw. Whatever I decide that is going to happen, yeah. it's going to happen. And I will win and you will lose. And I'll make sure of it. That's just what I think of when I think of Jordan and just the legend that he is yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you, man. I, I, I think that, 
you know, when I first think of Jordan, I think of the shrug. I think of his final shot as a bull. You know, I think of all those. I mean, the shrug, like you said, you know, he's playing against Clyde. And at the time, it was either, you know, Jordan or Clyde. And he took offense to that. He was like, man, look, I'm, I don't want to be compared to this guy. You know, he's a good player. You know, really a good player. You know, I just, I'm, I'm my own player. You know, I don't want to be compared to nobody. So, you know, and, you know, athletes and, and players, man, we, we take offense to being compared to somebody else. Like, you know, we're playing against. So it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to show these guys. So he did the shrug and it's like, hey, man, I told you guys, man. Like, hey, I, <laughs> I'm just out here just playing the game, you know, and that's it. And, you know, just think about, like you said, man, just his determination to win, um, even down to the last shot of his, his Bulls career, you know, it just shows that his approach to the game was just so, so serious. And he took a strong approach. And, you know, when you think about him, that's, that's, that's what I think about just his demeanor to the game for sure. Yeah. So before this series came out, he said, I'm a little worried because I think people aren't going to like me when they see this. And I thought, Oh man, what are are we going to get to see? But, um, as we're halfway done here, I'm just curious, like, to kind of wrap this up, do you got, now that you saw it, do you think that? Because I, or I personally don't, like, I don't think any less of him. I just see, like, more insight into his serious right. determination and serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's funny stuff, too, but, like, I just saw more of what his drives were, drivers were, and, yeah, he was a hard ass and not always um, <laughs> kind to everybody around him, but that's probably right. focused, but does um does seeing this change anything for y'all no it actually creates more respect for just realizing the price to win was so intense i had no idea that it enveloped him that much i knew he was big on it but i didn't know it was like about everything so it's almost like just the opposite i have way more respect for him and if there was any doubt on who the greatest was it's no doubt in my mind now what about you chad did it change how you see jordan Oh, no, I like, I, I totally agree with you, man. I honestly, it made me have even more respect for him because, you know, as a player, you know, everything's not going to be pretty. Everything's not going to be pretty on the court. You're going to have your confrontations with your teammates and things like that. You know, and his teammate said, it. he said, man, we were scared of that dude a little bit, man, but, you know, he made us better. You know, he made us better. He pushed us and, you know, he, he said in his own documentary, he said, man, I was going to push guys because I had a high standard. You know, and, you know, as a competitor, man, you, you want to play with guys like that. You know, even the confrontations and the fights and the arguments, you know, it's, it's understandable. That's the nature of the sport. But, you know, you know, like you all said, I, I just feel like my respect level went even higher for him. You know, just watching him with his teammates, you know, and things like that, how he just how he approached the game. You know, he wasn't trying to come in joking, laugh around. You know, when it's time to be serious, it's serious. You know, you can, you can have fun with the game, but. You know, it's all about winning at one, you know, in the game of basketball. So you have to be serious and take that type of approach. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. This got us through halfway. So we'll wrap up our uh, This Hustle and Pro episode before we dive into the last half of the Last Dance episodes. But, Chad, thanks again for joining us from Florida. Absolutely. I know know that you're still there. Um, Hopefully we will see you back in Frisco in the – I don't know, fall, whenever, whenever things are coming back around and you, you're allowed to show your face here in Frisco again. And yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. The NBA and the G League will figure out a way to get us some, 
some basketball here in the fall or like oh. whatever. Um, and Fred, thank you for taking time out of your day to sit with us and chat. So thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Hustle and Pro. Don't forget to subscribe however you listen to your podcasts.